We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC. Choose UPMC for your family's health care needs close to home. Visit UPMC.com slash Central PA for a complete list of services and locations. How do you spend your free time? It's a question many of us have been asked, maybe in a job interview, but we have really thought about it. Have we really thought about it uh, at the time, what we're not at, what we do with our time, not at work or at school? In his new book, Free Time, The History of an Elusive Ideal, Penn State Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Modern History, Gary Cross, explores the history of how we used our free time, how it's changed our culture, economics, and politics, and why often we don't fully enjoy our free time. Gary Cross is with us on The Spark today. Dr. Cross, welcome to the program. Thank you. So why did you write this book? Well, I wrote it in part to kind of complete a sort of cycle of thoughts I've had for maybe 30, 35 years, uh, and uh, coming back to to an issue that was a great concern and has been for many years, uh, the fact that free time has not expanded despite great growth in the economy. And of course, a kind of a nagging concern that many of us have that free time is is uh, uh, is not altogether satisfying. And so I thought, uh, as a historian, uh, how I might sort of explain those things um, by uh, by writing a big, broad book on the subject in my uh, retirement years. <laughs> you touched on this, but in the title, you say that free time is an elusive ideal, and it's ideal. In what ways is it elusive? It's elusive in part because, uh, although people often say they want more free time, there are relatively few options or uh, possibilities to get it. And also free time in a, in a sense of what you do with it uh, is also sort of elusive in the sense, again, that there is this kind of feeling that many of us have that, uh, that it isn't as fulfilling as it might be. When you say it isn't as fulfilling as it might be, who's told you? I mean, is this like a general consensus of Americans that free time is not as fulfilling as we'd like it to be? I I think a lot of people feel that way. Obviously, some of your listeners would disagree with me about this, but uh, there is a kind of a discontent. Um, and uh, I mean, we we see it when when people uh, find themselves um, spending their free time in ways that uh, uh, they they find later is disappointing. Maybe watching television, playing video games, and whatnot. There's a certain satisfaction, but there is still a kind of a sense of uh, isn't there more to life? <laughs> 
I don't know how many times I've asked myself that question. Isn't there more to life? So has free time always been elusive? Well, it has been particularly for working people. Um, and it has been elusive in part because uh, demands of work, demands of making the income sufficient to support yourself and your family uh, have been um, uh, uh, so great. Um over time, however, because we've increased our productivity, we get a whole lot more done and we produce so many more goods than people did, say, 100 years ago. Uh, between 1950 and, and uh, 1918, the, product, uh, the productivity in America has gone up uh, threefold. So we've had this extraordinary growth, uh, but um, uh, but not, not really more free time. Hmm. The history of free time is one of the unique aspects of your book. Much has changed in the world, but what generally has influenced how people spend their free time? Well, um, to a large extent, they spend their time spending the money they make while working. Mm. Uh, and uh, it isn't to say that free time is all about consumption, but it's one of the reasons why free time hasn't decreased. Um, I mean, Classically, an uh, economist would would take a look at this question and say that productivity can be kind of distributed either as free time or more income. And we have, by and large, chosen more income to use for our limited free time rather than more free time itself. Yeah, so a couple things there. One is that uh, Americans in particular, and let's face it, Americans spend their free time and probably have less free time if you go by the number of vacation days than right. our counterparts in Europe. So a, a, a couple of things there. You mentioned in the book that Americans are so consumer-driven, that consumerism. I mean, I think about the, the number of people I know who, in their free time, they want to spend it shopping. Uh, that consumerism is what drives so many people in their free time. They want to work all the time, even when they don't have to. I mean, so many of us give up vacation time because we're afraid of losing our jobs or something like that. So, I mean, there are a lot of different issues there, but you write about this in the book. Consumerism and that fear of maybe not having that income drives yeah. a lot of people. Right. Well, one of the things that's changed about consumerism in the past hundred years is that it's kind of, shall we say, sped up. There's a lot more to consume. Uh, it isn't just that people are materialistic. It's just that the consumer goods, in effect, have saturated our free time. And when we buy something new, there's a tendency for us to want to buy something new again relatively quickly. Uh, often before it's worn out or whatever, uh, there's something about consumer goods that is appealing, but it also is kind of boring pretty quickly. So we move from one good to another good. And so if you have free time and it's not filled with stuff, uh, you feel as if it's kind of wasted time. And uh, uh, and if you want a lot of stuff and you want them to change frequently and, and what if this fast consumption, I call it, uh, you have to often work more uh, to get the means to to keep up. How would you define or describe quality free time? Well, I 
you know, I hate to be old fashioned. Uh, maybe I, you, you tolerate a certain amount of that. I'm old. Um, <laughs> But uh, on, uh, but I, it does strike me as there could be a, a greater balance in regard to how people use free time. Maybe have it a little less fast and maybe a little slower. And slower, I mean much more in, uh, involving development of one's skills, one's, one's uh, uh, personal interest. We call it self-development, perhaps, and also spending more time engaging with the wider world, the real world, not the virtual world of the computer or the cell phone. Maybe uh, a greater involvement with other people through your church or through your organizations or, or, or what have you. And a lot of that has kind of disappeared in the, the past few years as as our experiences with the world in free time has increasingly been funneled, uh, say through through cell phones, we get the whole world on our cell phones, but we miss that reality of engagement with others, and and also the the uh, the drive that we sh- we we might have to uh, develop ourselves. The cell phone, technology, mobile devices, all those things are relatively, that technology is relatively new for the last 20, 25 years. But it seems as though there are so many people that that's how they want to spend their free time is on devices. Or if we can throw TV in there as well, that, you know, for the past 60 years, people have been watching TV in their free time. Of course, as a historian, I want to go back to the beginning of this funneling process, I call it. And it might be the phonograph that came about Mm. the beginning of the 20th century, where people began to experience what they used to experience in concerts in the privacy of their home uh, through a phonograph record. And of course, the culmination of all that is the smartphone. And we've gotten used to to uh, experience the world in this funnel over uh, the course of the last century. And it does provide us a lot of things we want. It gives us choice, um, uh, and it also gives us access to uh, to a world that our ancestors would have never experienced. But in other ways, it also kind of short circuits things that we might want, particularly our involvement with other people. And it becomes so routine. Uh, going out to dinner or going to a concert or going to a movie or, you know, so many uh, participating in sports, all those things involve human contact. And for the most part, I mean, I I don't know how many people, and I guess I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, that uh, every waking minute that uh, I'm not working or, you know, watching TV, I'm on my phone. And we really don't have that human contact. Only have about a minute left. So you have offered some suggestions on ways that we can improve this, that our free time is more satisfying, fulfilling. In less than a minute, how do we do that? Well, one thing, of course, the obvious thing is maybe put down your cell phone a little bit. Uh, and I mean, I use it like you a lot, and uh, I, I don't think we should be self-righteous. But also, more positively, try to think about the kinds of values and kinds of experience you want to enhance. Maybe developing a skill like gardening or uh, or, or travel or or even reading or what have you. 
uh, and think of ways in which you can find uh, opportunities to renew social contacts with other people. Uh, it's something that is uh, deeply needed. A lot of very lonely people on their cell phones. Gary Cross is Penn State, well, he's a Penn State professor emeritus of history, and the book is Free Time, The History of an Elusive Ideal. Dr. Cross, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much.